Get ready. You're listening to Give God 90 live. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. God 90. We are live on a Thursday night. Yes, and we are. You made it. <laughs> you know, since we've been doing this live on Facebook as well, you haven't been late. You can't sneak in <laughs> with nobody seeing you because all the folks out there see you. I know. Um, now, for the Spreaker people, you know exactly what I'm referring to. <laughs> she's showed up late a few times and she's, but you know, it's okay. You work at a hospital, you're the only one there that does your job, and when you're not there, somebody else has to do your job. Right. So, that's okay. Um, <clears throat> if, you know, somebody's having a heart attack and they need an EKG, that's what you do. That's what I do. So. And I can't leave during. <laughs> I would, if I was my, if it was me, I would prefer you not leave. You know? <laughs> right. Um... <laughs> Thank you once again, everyone, for joining us this evening. We appreciate everything. We appreciate all the support you give us, the books you buy, all that good stuff that you do for us. Um, we really appreciate the donations, too, but enough about that. Tonight, we want to look at something. Um, <laughs> well, I, I had thought about doing this a couple days ago, and you kind of came home ranting a little bit today, but that's okay. Uh, and it was along the same lines, but that's all right. I'm kind of giving folks a little bit of a time. Hi, Pam. We see you're here. Um, Spreaker chat is open as well as Facebook is, so we are all good to go. I want to look at pride or arrogance. And what I mean by that is, is it the same thing? Can we show pride without being arrogant? Is it possible? And what really got me started on this was a conversation that you had with someone the other day uh, because they had, um, well, I, I guess the best way to say it is they have a lot of really nice clothes and they say that they live here, they can't wear them because... I don't hear anything. You don't hear anything. No. You've got to hear something. Turn your volume up. Um... But the person that you were talking to says they moved down here, and that's weird. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So anyway, they have a lot of nice clothes, and they, they can't wear them here because nobody around here wears nice clothes. And you explained to them that they this is a resort area. We live at the beach. And not just that, what else did you say to her? Um, not only 
start over again. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't listening to me. <laughs> she was make, she was checking on some things to make sure. Um, volume is volume good for is everybody. Good. <laughs> you had a conversation with somebody who who wears has a lot of nice clothes in their closet, but they don't wear them here because nobody around here wears nice clothes. Right. And you explained that this was a resort; it's a beach town, but that wasn't the only reason. So you told you you kind of filled her in on something. You don't remember what you told her. <laughs> okay. Um, this is a poor was a poor area for a oh, very long time. Yes, it was I, a very depressed area for a very long time. People didn't have a lot of things. Uh, the biggest industry uh, in Lewis was for a long time the fishing industry. Right. Um, and and. Even after the Menhaden uh, fishing uh, kind of was taken away, the clams were here. They had Doxy mm -hmm. Clam Factory. The oysters were here. So it was a very uh, work-related, uh, poor town because people worked really hard for the little bit they got. And that really carried over even into when we were growing up. Right. Um, we were probably a little better off than you were mm -hmm. because you know, even though your father was a minister of a very very small church how many people typically were there on a sunday um most would be like 30 okay and he had another job mm -hmm. yeah you know, we he had, had a full-time job, full job on top of, of that mm -hmm. you know my father worked a full-time job and we had the farm mm -hmm. so you know which sometimes amounted to a little more than a big tax deduction but <laughs> you know that's how it goes sometimes so what we had was a very poor uh, thing that when I was growing up you had one good suit of clothes as most people in the area did right that was your Sunday go to meeting clothes mm -hmm. and don't dare get your good shoes scuffed oh no don't oh, no. dare get grass stains on those good pants no you know that was for the stuff that you wore every day right um, for your one pair of play your, shoes for, yeah <laughs> right um, I remember <laughs> when I was, uh, I guess I was probably 12, 11, 12, 13 maybe, um, and had started getting allowance. I saved and saved and saved my meager little allowance until I could actually go afford to buy my own pair of sneakers. It was the best pair of sneakers. I, first good pair of sneakers I ever owned in my life was uh, a pair of pro kids. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not saying much by today's standards. No. But, but that, by then, that was It something. was better than the uh, $0.99 cent stuff out of the, the bin that you would pull them out of at the local Silco mm -hmm. store back then. Right. So if anybody's older than us, they know what a Silco store was, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, you had that conversation, and then we were going down the street, and we were watching somebody walk down the street. And commented on this poor person. And I don't know whether it was a health-related industry or just the way they were carrying themselves that made them walk so almost depressed. Right. Um, they were walking like they didn't care. Mm -hmm. They lost their best friend. Right. <clears throat> and that kind of got me to thinking about this thing that we, we talk about all, a lot. Uh, called humility mm -hmm. is it possible to 
shows some self-worth, some self-respect, and still be humble. You don't need to look like you are miserable in your life mm -hmm. just because you don't have anything. Right. Now, I know a lot of people who don't have a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when we were growing up. Right. You know, you didn't have much. No. But people didn't know it people by the didn't way know you it. we right. acted because right. we acted like we had pride in. Let me rephrase this. <laughs> you like, cared. Like we cared about what we looked yeah. like, but we didn't put it off like I'm better than you because I have a dress. Yeah. Or now, you know, it's um you know, when we talk about health issues, I, you know, one of the, the folks that comes to Messianic Delaware has some severe health issues. Mm -hmm. You know, he's an older gentleman, walks with a cane. Mm -hmm. But even so, he, you know, even in his worst days where he can't get around yesterday, I'm talking about you. Hi, Jay. <laughs> and even in those worst days when he can barely get around, you know, the way he carries himself mm -hmm. shows that he has... Or he feels a lot of self-worth. Yes. Um, and I need to be careful how I describe this until I get to, you know, where you find pride and arrogance in the Bible. Uh, pride you actually find in Leviticus. And it talks not about being proud of something, but about that arrogant attitude. The way um, a lot of people describe it is, well, you know, I, I just don't understand these Bible people. They can't be proud. They can't be proud of their children. They can't be proud when something happens. They can't be proud of their accomplishments. And that's not what it's talking about. Naturally, God wants us to be, do the best, well, I should say it this way. God wants us to be the best we can be. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it's not um, described in the Bible as pride. It's described in the Bible as joy. Uh, whenever a a child would accomplish something, whenever someone would accomplish something, it's described as, and he took great joy in whatever happened. Arrogance, on the other hand, is not a good thing. <laughs> when you're arrogant, the Almighty will knock you down. Yes, and he, he will. will do it in such a way that, that you you're know. not going to like it. <laughs> okay, It's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be fun. That's the difference between pride and arrogance. And what we want to look at is the, the reason sometimes that people have this concept, you know, where we've been told we can't have any uh, pride in something. We can't find the joy in someone else's achievements. We can't be happy for someone else and really like what they're doing, what they're saying. And that's just wrong. People watch us all the time. People scrutinize what we say, what we do, and, and, and that kind of thing. And they try to hold biblical standards sometimes up to some of the things that believers do, right? Right. And instead, what we need to be doing is holding believers up to the biblical standard. Now, it is entirely possible <clears throat> to be... A humble person but take great joy in the accomplishments of your children right. right now when I was in school and when I was 
just out of school, there was a saying around here. Um, when you knew you could do something and, and people would kind of try and knock you down a little bit, they would say, oh, he's just being cocky. You know, referring to that because Delaware was that fighting rooster state, right? Mm-hmm. That's, yes. you know, the, the state bird is the, the, the fighting blue hen. Uh-huh. Which is they actually fought the roosters, not the hens. So you know, somebody else can us. figure that yeah. out. Hi, Cynthia. <laughs> Glad you're here. Hi, Cynthia. Um, Hi, Pam. So you know that's where that came from, and and you know we we developed this saying, confident, not cocky. Right. You know, and there I there was times, especially for me back then. You know, I had this one particular horse that I. It didn't matter what you did, he would do it. You know, you could do anything with this animal you thought about doing. Ride him as hard as you wanted to. He didn't care. Put a two-year-old kid on his back, and he would be just as gentle as a lamb. The same horse that was ripping and rearing 30 seconds ago would calm right down. And when you have trained a horse to do that, you've accomplished something. Highest-priced horse I ever sold, by the way. Um, But you can be, you can take great joy in that accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Especially when you know for certain what the outcome's going to be. So, where people get kind of mixed up is they have this idea that humility means meager. Just barely getting by. Oh, Christians can't make a lot of money. And they put Jewish people down for making a lot of money sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's still jokes about Jewish doctors and Jewish lawyers. Mm-hmm. So they, they do that in a very derogatory manner, thinking that these people are supposed to be humble. Well, I know some Jewish lawyers. I used to know a couple of Jewish doctors. They've since passed away. But they were humble people. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't arrogant, but they were confident in their abilities. Very much so. But... Where we, where we get this concept is not out of the Bible because the Bible teaches something completely different. And I want to use... Uh, now, Leviticus 16 talks about the way the high priest is supposed to be dressed. Okay? And <clears throat> what they're, well, the way the Bible lays this out, It actually starts with what you see on the outside, and it moves to the things you can't see that are underneath his clothes. Do you know why? Why? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) The reason is people judge things on appearance. It's that simple. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter usually what the situation is. We're going to judge appearance. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you really want to know the way the high priest gets dressed, you have to start down in verse 42. Don't start in uh, verses 3 and 4 where it says, this is the way Aaron should come into the sanctuary. 3 and 4 of what? Uh, I'm sorry, Leviticus chapter 16. Um, Because, you know, he was supposed to dress a certain way. He wears a uniform of the high priest, just like you wear scrubs to work, right? Mm-hmm. You have to wear a uniform. Some things are a little bit individualized. Mm-hmm. 
but other things are not. You have to look, and I get it, you know, if somebody, you know, with a different professional medical things in, in the hospitals today, people need to be able to look at you and say, oh, you're a doctor, you're a nurse, you're a this, you're a that. So you wear different color scrubs to, right. to designate what you do. Same way with a high priest. But if you really want to know how he gets, you know, he doesn't start with his outer garments. He has to start with his inner garments. But the Bible starts telling us about it from the things on the outside because people judge from the outside in. Let's face it. When you're sitting at an intersection and there's a poor guy standing here with a sign that says, we'll work for food. The first thing you're going to do is look at him and, and say, okay, by his appearance, does he need to be here? Does he need that sign? Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But you start judging him from the outside in. The first thing you're going to do is read his sign, right? Mm -hmm. Second thing you're going to do is you're going to look for any of the, the clues that might indicate it's a scam. Right. You know... If, if he passes those two tests and you, you think he actually needs help, hopefully the next thing you're going to do is interact. Not just throw him a dollar, here's a quarter for your tin can, whatever it might be. Hopefully you're going to ask him a question. Usually I would say, I got some work to do. Exactly. <laughs> Does that sign really mean what it says? Will you really work or mm -hmm. are you just looking for a handout? Mm -hmm. That's interaction. Same way with a high priest. People would see his uniform, they would see the breastplate, and they would know who he is, they'd know what he was doing. Now it's interesting that you go all the way down to verse 42, and it says, Make for them linen underclothes to cover them from the waist to the upper part of the thighs. Now, I wear a lot of linen anyway. Mm -hmm. You know why linen was so important? Linen back then was actually expensive, just like it is today, because of the way it's processed. But linen has a really unique characteristic that doesn't act like cotton. So they used linen. Not because they wanted to be pricey, but because it just made more sense. And even after linen gets thin and worn, and about the time you can almost see through it, you can still use it for other things. So, you know, it had a purpose. Um, then they were going to have an inner robe of fine linen, a turban of fine linen. He was going to wear a hat. And it goes on as you read from, the, from that bottom of that verse up to his outer garments. Because what matters to the Almighty isn't from the outside looking in. He's look, from the inside looking out. Mm -hmm. That's why you have that. <clears throat> now, what's really kind of cool about that is even today we judge people quite often by the way they are dressed. If you see someone wearing a three-piece suit <clears throat> and maybe carrying a briefcase, you're going to look at that person and say, that person, <laughs> that person must be of some importance. Mm-hmm. Right, a lawyer, a big executive. Something he's doing. <laughs> some he he's displaying some type of importance. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. The 
the the the more um, parts of the uniform that you wear, typically the greater importance you are. Aaron's uh, uniform for high priest, or the high priest that Stephen served after that, probably were greater in greater detailed than anything anyone else would wear in the entire nation. So he was kind of set not above, but he was the example to the rest of the nation. And the rest of the nation was therefore in turn an example to the rest of the world. So the high priest was responsible for setting a certain standard. Was he proud? No. No, he was dressed the way he was told to dress. Mm -hmm. The other people in in turn would dress according to not necessarily their role in the culture, not necessarily even in their importance, but they would dress the best that they had the ability to dress. That's not being prideful. That's not being arrogant. That's being respectful of yourself. Mm-hmm. So then if you're presenting yourself to the best of your ability. How can I say this and make and have it make sense? If you're presenting yourself to the best of your ability, even if your ability is not much more than, you know, at at that time in that culture, a robe and maybe you had sandals, maybe you didn't. Mm-hmm. If that was the best you could do, the way you carried yourself right. would be enough enough for people to know, you know, he might be poor, he might be a slave, he might be a servant to somebody important, we don't know, but look at the way he's walking. Look mm-hmm. at the way he carries himself. Listen to the way he speaks. Listen to what he's got to say. He's not stumbling over his words. He's not, you know, not dragging his feet. He's mm-hmm. walking with purpose. He's walking with dignity. Right. And that is what I really want to get to. That dignity that we're missing in today's culture. In a description for this episode, I said, Is it possible to love your neighbor as yourself if you have no self-respect? I don't think it is. I think if you're missing that dignity, Mm -hmm. it is impossible... it is practically impossible for you to care about someone else if you don't care about yourself. Exactly. Now, a lot of times, Christians get hung up on this love, you know, the golden rule. You know, do unto others. Love your neighbors yourself. But they forget where it comes from. Now, I put a marker in your Bible <clears throat> in Leviticus chapter 19. And down on the right-hand side of that one is going to be verse 18. Somewhere over here. Oh, 1918? 1918. You are not to take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am Adonai. Hmm. So in Leviticus 19.18, it says, Love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that amazing that, that you show that Jesus would get 
the two things that we need to do is love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you love God and God's blessing you, you should be carrying yourself with a little bit of dignity, with a little bit of purpose, right? Right. And then you can look at others and say, you know what? It's going to be a whole lot easier for me to do what I do, to live the life that I'm designed to live and care for you if I care about myself. Right. But today, what I think we're seeing is just the opposite. We're seeing people who have been trained to not care. Mm-hmm. They don't care about their appearance. They don't care about their clothing. They don't care about their parents. They don't care about their children. They don't even care about their work ethic. When you don't care or you think nobody's paying attention, it doesn't matter what I wear. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter if I do things uh, that people don't like. Nobody cares. When you stop caring, it carries through everything you do. Mm-hmm. We were at a restaurant the other day, and they were obviously understaffed. They they were severely understaffed. (laughs) Um, We live in a resort area. Mm -hmm. This is still peak season until, well, for another three weeks, right? At least. So, where that restaurant is understaffed I made the comment is because the the owners of these restaurants don't care enough about their employees to give them full-time jobs right you you cannot survive in this area without working two or three jobs most of the time especially if you're working service work right um, there are people we know in housekeeping that, that work housekeeping in at least two motels, uh, sometimes three. Sometimes they have other jobs. You know, they're just consistently working. Some of them working. work at our hospital and other jobs. Exactly. On top of it. So, when employers don't care, mm-hmm. when employers don't care, now they have also left that biblical narrative, where Abraham treated his servants mm-hmm. like family. Mm-hmm. So when you take that I don't care attitude, not only does it affect you and the people directly around you, it has, and I'm going to use this term, it has a trickle-down effect if you are in a position like a CEO or a manager or a supervisor, it will trickle down. If your supervisor doesn't care about the quality of his work, why would you care about the quality of yours? Exactly. And some supervisors get very upset when people work better than they do. Mm-hmm. Because they think you're, you're trying to steal their job. Right. Whether you are or not, it doesn't matter. Which is why a lot of times uh, Christians and, and Jewish folks get in a lot of trouble with certain types of companies because they're always being beaten down. Well, you're working too hard, you're doing too much, you're trying too hard, you're, you're, you, know, you can't have my job. Don't want your job. Just want to do mine the best I can. Exactly. So, 
there's a whole lot of things that go with that. Now, what's really interesting is some of these people who have this I don't care attitude are also the ones who are the most arrogant. Mm -hmm. Because they like to put on airs. They like to have things their way. Mm -hmm. You know, I buy the best car and then I don't take care of it. I buy the best shoes, but I don't take care of it. I buy, you know, let's take this not to extremes because I've seen this happen. I buy a fancy house and then fail to maintain it. Oh, now I've got termites. What do I do? You know, it happens. They are um, imposters in a way. Because what they're doing is they want to appear a certain way, but they refuse to live the way they're designed to live to achieve that level of self-respect and dignity and mm -hmm. receive the blessings that the Almighty wants them to have. And that's kind of sad. That's kind of a shame. Because if they would simply change just a little bit every day, they would soon recognize what's going on. And that's what Give God 90 does. When you go to givegod90.com and you start following that description, you know, it doesn't say you're going to change overnight. It doesn't say you're going to be a millionaire in 90 days. It simply says you're going to improve your life and the lives of the people around you. Mm -hmm. And if all you're doing is following the, the Creator's instructions and doing things the way He tells you to do them, living your life the way you're designed... You can't help but improve your life. You can't help but improve the lives of the people around you. Now, sometimes that's going to get you in trouble because people are going to look at you and say, there's something different. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't have my job. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you got to be aware of that as well. <clears throat> but we get pride and arrogance confused. We get joy confused with a lot of things. Um... The feeling, not the person, by the way. Right. <laughs> uh, we, we have taken the evolution of our language to such a degree that words don't mean the same thing they meant when they refer when the when the Bible was first translated into English. Right. Being humble doesn't mean you can't wear nice clothes. Being humble doesn't mean you can't have a nice job. Being humble doesn't mean you can't you have know, some nice things. And have enjoy. nice things. Have a nice home. Have drive right. a nice car. Being humble is not doesn't mean you're poor. Being humble means more that you are willing to say. I'm not the best there is. I'm not king. I'm not on top. I'm not better than the one who made me. Mm -hmm. And I need to be careful because I know what's coming out Monday. I recorded that yesterday. <laughs> Actually, I recorded it this morning. I'm sorry. I recorded that this morning. And, and I, I, um, Pam, you'll be proud of me because I mentioned your teaching for Messianic Delor on uh, the Stones of Fire. So, um, you know, the, the first one who was arrogant 
was the first one who said, the first divine being who said, I'm so good, I'm better than the one who made me. <laughs> being humble means you acknowledge you will never be that good. You will never mm -hmm. have that knowledge. You will never have that talent. You will never have everything that your creator gave you because he gives you what he needs you to have. Right. And only what he needs you to have. So being humble doesn't mean, you know, I know plenty of poor people who are arrogant. Mm -hmm. I know plenty of rich people who are humble. Yes. I know a lot of people who have uh, health issues where you would think that they would be the most sorrowful person in the world. But some of them are filled with happiness and joy and they mm -hmm. just really, you'd never know that they were sick mm -hmm. if they weren't laying in a hospital bed. You'd never mm -hmm. know that they had ailments if they didn't walk with a cane. You'd never understand that they were bad off. Unless they told unless you. you told, unless they told you. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people like that. and But at the same time, these, these people, they, they acknowledge there's something better. They acknowledge mm -hmm. there's something greater. And everything that they do, they do to glorify the Father. So, all of that being said, pride or arrogance doesn't matter. Because in our language today, they kind of mean the same thing. They didn't mean the same thing years ago. You could be proud mm -hmm. of your kids, and it didn't mean you were arrogant about it. Mm -hmm. Today, it kind of does. Today, um, well, it's actually started almost 35 years ago. They started intermingling sex and gender mm -hmm. sex is biological gender is grammatical a lot of people don't realize that mm -hmm. because in the United States for some reason you shouldn't say the word sex I don't know why but some people have problem with it so they started using the word gender and somebody used to, a preacher a pastor I know years ago had said something about it one time I looked at him and I said what does grammar have to do with biology? <laughs> and he looked at me, and he, his eyes got great big, and he says, what? So what does gender have to do with biology? Gender's grammatical. Gender's gender. <laughs> you know, you, you can have masculine, feminine nouns and pronouns, but it doesn't have anything to do with biology. Mm -mm. He came back to me a couple of days later, he says, you know, you're right. So well, yeah, I know I'm right. <laughs> I wouldn't have told you that if I didn't think I was right. You know, but it's kind of surprised him just a little bit that I would call him on that. And since then, he has um, been one of the very few that stuck to that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of funny in a way, knowing uh, what he and his wife have done over the course of the last 30 years. Yes. So as they went through that, you know, we could see things. But you do, you influence people. And that's the whole aspect of this. You've got you do it not in such a way that you're arrogant, but in such a way that, you know, did I take great? I shouldn't say it. I'm going to say it this way. Did I take great pride in him saying, you know, you were right? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Was I arrogant about it? Not really. You know, I joke about it a lot, but mm -hmm. you know, hey, that's just me. Um, somebody's got to say I'm great. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You're great, honey. <laughs> Thank you, dear. 
when we look at pride and arrogance and the doing things the way we do them, there's a reason that the Almighty set things up the way he did. He dressed the high priest as an example to the people to be the best you can be, to do the best you can do. But you do it not thinking that you're greater. You do it in service mm -hmm. to your creator and to each other. And as long as you remember that, you know, you present yourself in such a way that people look at you and say, I don't know what it is about you. I don't know what you got, but I want to find out. Mm -hmm. And that is your door to saying, let me introduce you to somebody you need to know. Right. <laughs> because when they ask the question, you can you then then it's it's fair game mm -hmm. to explain it to them. Then it's fair game to explain it to them, and you tell them all about. And, and sometimes people like to overkill this, but you you can start in Genesis one one. <laughs> it's okay to start in Genesis one one, absolutely. But that you know, when the gates when the doors open, when they ask, mm -hmm. they want to know. Mm -hmm. But I can pretty much guarantee you that they're not going to ask the person who looks like they're walking in complete misery. Right. Nobody wants to look at somebody in complete misery and say, I don't know what it is you got, but I want to join you. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to do that. But when you see that smile, when you see that dignity, when you see even somebody who should be hurting, smiling, Mm -hmm. They should be, you know, how do I, I don't, I don't want to say it that way. You know, somebody who looks like they should be on their deathbed when they are just full of life. Mm -hmm. That's what makes people say, I don't know what you got, but I got to have some of it. Mm -hmm. And when they say, how do you get it? That, you know, that's an open door. Okay. Hopefully this explains a lot about not only pride and arrogance but why we have it what's going on with it it's okay if you're a believer to have nice things right because mm -hmm. i have been t i was told by someone in a church one time you shouldn't bu ever buy a new car it's prideful to buy a new car well maybe but if you're like us when you keep one for 12 or 13 so, years or more or more you know <laughs> We buy them new and we, we buy just them new and use them, use them till and use them and they use them. can't be used anymore. It's that simple. And you know, we really you, use them. You get the you get your money's worth out of them. We do. And then you start all over again. Right. But we let somebody else be blessed by ours because we don't tear it up. We don't tear it up. No. But if they can afford the repairs for it, more power to them. <laughs> um. But I, I was just really taken aback when they said, you know, Christians shouldn't buy a new car. It really, um, I'm going to, I'm going to tell a story here. We shop at thrift stores quite a bit. We do. In fact, this yeah. shirt, I know I didn't buy it new. It either came from a thrift store or somebody gave it to me. 
probably a thrift store. I, th I think this one, because I have an orange one just like it, I, I think it was a thrift, was a thrift store buy. It doesn't bother me to wear clothes that somebody else has worn. No, they wash. They wash. It's it's all good. Not a big deal. But a lot of times people see some of the stuff I wear and they're like, where did you get that? And I tell them I got it at the thrift store and they look at me like I'm kidding. And we usually get them when they're on sale for half price. Yeah. So <laughs> half price at the thrift store. <laughs> you know, it's okay. I was the youngest. I had three older brothers. Everything I know. I know yours. what it's like to wear hand-me-downs, okay? It's not a big deal. I was a missionary's daughter, and that's all we lived in was hand-me-downs. Well, even when we were in Colorado, people were constantly bringing things up to the ranch and, you know, mm -hmm. sort, your, sort through this, see if there's anything you can use. And they'd always bring their kids' stuff up, and I'd get excited. Yeah, because you were small enough to fit them. <laughs> so it's not a big deal. That's not being arrogant. That's accepting the blessings that are coming your way and saying, yeah, Ooh, this I, is nice. I can pay a dollar for a shirt. And when people look at me wearing it, you know, and, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's necessarily always the shirt. I think it's the way that you carry I carry myself in this shirt. Because I typically, and I don't know why, people have one of two reactions when they see me. They either are afraid of me, I guess that's a good way mm -hmm. to put it, or... They come right they, up and approach. Yeah, they, mm -hmm. they feel welcome. Mm -hmm. Usually the people who are afraid of me... Have a reason have to Have a be. reason to be afraid of me. <laughs> But I, well, I was going to say, the people who, who act like they're afraid of me, I, from the, the couple that I've actually had a chance to talk to, I don't think they were believers. Mm -hmm. And I think they realized that the look. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't think there's a mark yet. I can't see it. But, <laughs> okay. But I think they understand and realize mm -hmm. what's going on, and they mm -hmm. just go the other way. Right. So, you know, if, if I can't be the only one out there like that. No. <clears throat> but that's what I've noticed. So, and I, I don't know why people are afraid of me. I'm a likable person, for the most part, until you do something dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't mean that I'm arrogant about it. It, it means... That actually means absolutely nothing, and you know, as far mm -hmm. as some of those people are concerned. But when you're approachable that way, and people understand that, I don't think they would be as quick to approach if I was wearing a holy T-shirt. I don't think they would be as quick to approach. Um, you know, if if they came up in the yard one of the, one day when I was working on a piece of equipment and I was greasy and nasty, um, I don't think they would be as quick to approach because people judge from the outside in. Mm -hmm. They see someone um, who is, well, let's just, let's just say it this way. They see somebody who's obviously been working either uh, construction or in the dirt or in the mud or in the grease or in the whatever. Mm -hmm. And they look at that and they say, well, that person must have a lowly job. Mm -hmm. and they're judging from the outside in. 
And they just assume if you're there working on equipment that you're, you're a the hired, hired hand. You're the hired hand. Can I? Yeah. Where would I find the owners of the place? They don't realize that the owner that is most the of the time the owners are the ones who are out there working on the equipment. Right. Exactly. Because you didn't get to be afford right to because they can't afford the hired hand. So you know, be careful when you look at at a situation and you look at someone. If you saw the high priest without all of the, the fancy stuff on, I doubt you would look at him and go, oh, you're the high priest. Mm -hmm. But when you see it with all the fancy stuff on, then you would say, hi, Sean, glad you could join us. Hi, Sean. Then you know that he's the high priest, and you could look at him and say, we know who you are, we know your position in, in, in life, we know your entitlement in life. And it, it sets him as an example. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to come across as. We don't want to come across as arrogant. We don't want to come across as boastful or prideful. But what we want to come across as, as is an example to the rest of the world. So that the way we carry ourselves, the dignity that we have because we do place our faith in our Creator, is expressed not just in what we wear, not just in what we have, but in also... Um, the way people see our actions, the way people see us interacting with each other, interacting with others. That's where it comes from. You want to you wanna, uh, go out and create uh, disciples? You want to go out and make disciples? The first thing you have to do is be one. And, and to be the best person you can be, you're going to be the best disciple you can be. So... Um, all that being said, I have gone way past where I thought I was going to be. Wow. Sorry, everybody, for running so late. But I had fun doing this one. Mm-hmm. And you may remain calm through the whole thing. I, I did. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Because you can get excited when we talk about people and their work ethic. Yes. <laughs> so, all right, everyone, I hope this has been a blessing for you. Uh, glad everyone could join us, and I know all the folks uh, listening on Spreaker, they're going to be uh, hopefully blessed by this as well. Don't want to forget those folks because they really uh, take this far and wide, and we appreciate it. Have a blessed, blessed week, everybody. We appreciate everything that you do for us. Keep up the good work, and we'll keep on trying. Have a great week. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye.